In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, good morning to you all, and good morning to you all online. I hope that you all had a great 4th of July. Uh, So glad to see you here this morning. And I want to just start by saying that there are about, I think, about a million things about Christianity that we could say that we love. But for me, one of the very best things about Christianity is that it meets us in our actual lives. Uh, biblical, Biblical Christianity is really not concerned, not interested in plastic smiles and empty platitudes. Uh, I admit that we in the church sometimes, uh, we find ourselves addicted to plastic smiles and platitudes, but uh, biblical Christianity is only concerned with an honest, zoomed-in assessment of our actual lives, and it is concerned with the only viable solution to that assessment. So today, uh, we're going to look at all three passages of Scripture. We've been looking at the Psalms uh, for the last month or so, uh, and uh, we did that because we say in this time that we're in, the Psalms really provide comfort. Well, looking at all three of these readings, they line up for an incredible incredible message of comfort. And so we're going to begin with the epistle to the Romans and see an honest assessment. And then we'll look at the gospel for a radical solution And then we'll get a uh, gracious explanation from the psalm. So honest assessment, radical solution, gracious explanation. I wonder if you ever found yourself in an argument. Uh, Maybe it was a family member or someone else that you care very deeply about. And after the argument, you think, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Or maybe you're in the middle of the argument and you think, why am I doing this? And yet, I, I mean, I've heard that can happen. I don't know somebody told me uh, that that can happen. Uh, we, you know, we start down the road and, and we, we actually want to back it up. And, and yet, um, I mean, we're sort of watching ourselves in third person. And there's this voice saying, you said you weren't going to do that again. But our blood's boiling. And so we just press forward. Why do we do that? Or how many of you have baked a pan of brownies for a friend, but you accidentally ate that pan of brownies? And who could blame you after that vanilla ice cream fell into your bowl, uh, you know? Um, you, so you had to bake another pan of brownies. Or how many of you have busted a diet, or busted a budget, or busted a Lenten discipline, or busted sobriety? How many of us have done something we said we were not going to do. All of us, all of us, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, but in the list of the fruits of the Spirit over in Galatians 5, which is not our reading today, there might be a reason that self-control is listed last. Now, our reading is from Romans 7, and I can remember when I was in seminary, I asked a, a friend of mine, I said, hey man, how you doing? He said, I'm having a Romans 7 kind of day. <laughs> well, that's kind of nerdy, uh, I, I admit. But uh, what did he mean by that? St. Paul writes, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do the thing I want, but I do the very thing I hate. 
Christianity meets us in our actual lives. Now, I'm not letting us off the hook. I mean, there's usually a good reason why we say we're not going to do those things again. And we should not do them. But biblical Christianity is not naive about human nature. Biblical Christianity expects that Christians are still going to struggle with temptations. And it also expects that we're going to be honest about that struggle. I mean, this is St. Paul putting it out there. The great apostle to the Gentiles. The zealous Pharisee scholar who was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus by the Lord Jesus himself. St. Paul called, anointed by the Holy Spirit to lead people to faith in Christ and to teach them how to live out that faith. And here he is saying, you know, I am still struggling. I'm still struggling. And I think he's speaking for all of us. He's, but he's certainly speaking for himself. When he says, I don't even understand my own actions. The good I want to do, I do not do. And the evil I hate, I keep on doing. He loves God. I mean, he's given his whole life to the service of God. And yet, his own honest assessment of his own life brings the difference between what he wants and what he does into agonizing relief. Such that he asks this wrenching question, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Now the answer in our flesh would always be get your act together. Right? Be your own hero. Be the change that you want to see. God helps those who help themselves. Pull yourself up uh, together and start living with integrity. Bootstrap your way to clean living. Now listen, those things are as good as far as they go. I mean, it's good for us to try. But those are answers of our independent nature. Answers of the flesh. But those aren't Paul's answers. Because those are the answers that, if you're not very careful, lead to plastic smiles and empty platitudes. Paul answers his own honest assessment with resounding doxology. Thanks be to God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That brings us from the honest assessment to the radical solution that we find in Matthew's gospel. And I got to tell you, I love this passage. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is making uh, an honest assessment of the culture that he's living in. It's a very overtly religious culture. He says, you're not happy with anything. Like You're like children. We played happy music. You said it was too happy. So we played sad music. You said it was too sad. He's just using that as an illustration. He's talk, he said, when John the Baptist came, he, you said he was too dry and esoteric. You said he had a demon because he was, uh, didn't eat or drink. But here I come eating and drinking. You say, oh, he's a glutton and a drunk. You're just looking to criticize. I don't know if you've ever known anybody that was just not happy unless they were furious about something, Right? And, and frankly, we've got a lot of that going around, don't we? I mean, we love recreational indignation in our culture right now. Recreational indignation. 
And, and re- Christians, we're just, we're just as guilty as anybody. And yet, I hope that we say, if we're honest, the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Right? I've, got, I've got five minutes, on, so I'll just go on Facebook and yell at somebody. So what does Jesus say? What's his answer? Get your act together. No. Jesus says, come to me. Just come to me. All that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, learn from me. I'm gentle. Humble in heart. And in me you will find rest for your souls. I mean, it's... It's 2020. Anybody here weary? Anybody carrying heavy burdens in their souls need a little rest in your heart? Anyone letting that weariness lead you into not doing the good you want to do or into the evil that you don't want to do? I mean, stress has effects, doesn't it? And Jesus says, just sit with me. Hey, I saved you a seat because you're my favorite. Put down the phone. Turn off the news for a little bit. Just come sit with me. Just learn from me. I'm not frenetic like the world around you. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And and I can be gentle and humble about all the missteps and the mistakes because I I died for that stuff already. So just, just come be with me. I could do this all day. In fact, I could do it every day. Just let your heart rate go down a little. Just breathe in the Holy Spirit and open up your Bible and say your prayers and let me handle the rest. I love you. You're my favorite. See, that's Jesus' radical solution to our honest assessment. Not cut it out. Not... Get it together. Not give me a break. Just come to me. Not with your wisdom. Not with your answers. Not with your demands. And certainly not with your recreational indignation. Just take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I got to tell you, friends, that I find that when I come to Jesus, it's a lot harder to do the things I don't want to do and a lot easier to do the things I do want to do. So, why is Jesus' answer, this radically gentle solution, why is it the polar opposite of all the frenetic demands and the criticism and the stress and the indignation? So we land at the psalm to give us a gracious explanation. And the psalmist tells us that the reason that God's answer is, is the polar opposite is, that, is because of God's character. The psalmist tells us just who God is and what He is like. He's not angry, unmerciful, wrathful, like I've heard so many Uh, characterized descriptions of God in the Old Testament. This Old Testament psalmist says that God is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and abounding in great kindness. He tells us the Lord is loving to everyone. And he says a lot of other things about the character of God that I hope that you'll Go home, take your bulletin, go home and and meditate on those things. But I want 
to just draw your attention to the very last verse. The very last thing that he says uh, in the psalm about God. He says that the Lord upholds those who fall. And that he lifts up those who are bowed down. He upholds those who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. In other words, he upholds those who do the very thing that they hate. And he lifts up those who are weary and heavy laden. Because that's his character. That's his property. Now, the Lord is just. He loves, God loves justice. And so sin cannot go unpunished, but he has already taken care of that when he punished our, all of our sin on the cross. And part of the way that he upholds those who fall and lifts up those uh, who are bowed down is that he has taken the punishment for our sin upon the cross, upon himself. And so that's why St. Paul says, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because Paul knows that he is conflicted, but the Lord is not. And Paul knows that the answer to his confliction is not shame. And it's not hiding behind plastic smiles and empty platitudes. It's, it's the answer is in the character and in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's in sitting with him and letting him carry the burden and letting him give rest to our souls. So thank you, Jesus, for being a Savior for our actual lives. Amen.